everyone, welcome to a double trouble edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good pal, your bosom companion, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man who's always been double trouble for me. I give you the Brit. Hey, we're, we're double trouble, Aaron. Are we? You and I combined. Well, we're, we're more like quad trouble. Well, take up. <laughs> What's self-burial? Thanks. Great way to start the show. So, if you joined us last week, we spun the beleaguered wheel in desperately in need of pie pieces, but we made a deal, a fresh deal, and that deal was, bam, games ported to the same system twice. Yes. Brent, what's that all about? Ported to the same, that's double the work, brother. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of reasons why this happened. Either your licensings were screwed up, someone thought they had rights that they didn't, a game sucked, a publisher sucked, Everyone sucks. That's why you get two games of the same there, on the same lot, system. There's a lot of sucking now. Speaking of not sucking, oh, not, by a sheer coincidence, a twist of fate, this is going to be a bam Amstrad CPC uh, edition of ARG. Just we both ended up picking Amstrad games. Now, it's true. <clears throat> before we get too heavily into this, the Brent, uh, we uh, I, I I know I combed the internets. To try to find a one a game that I, I thought was interesting, uh, or where I could dig my uh, teeth into, or something we hadn't covered, you know, and it was not the easiest uh, challenge to find one of these things, was it, man? No, th- this is a pretty rare thing to happen, <clears throat> and, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, you're you're basically uh, you from a consumer standpoint, it really hurts consumer uh, trust. When you release something and then release it again, either if you're doing it for money, if you're doing it because the first one sucked, if you're doing it from a mistake, none of those things are good. All those make you look bad in the consumer's point of view. Uh, and also, it's it's expensive because all these had to have new SKUs, uh, convince the uh, the stores to put this on the shelf again. Uh, then you've got consumer confusion, you know, when you've got both two people have the same game, but they're different, it makes people like what's going on makes people feel cheated. So yeah, this is a pretty rare occurrence. Yeah. Uh, it's when we started digging into this, uh, I think it was Mitsuyama who put a link up. I hope I'm crediting it right in, in the discord for a bunch of C64 titles that a forum had gotten together uh, and talked about. Apparently the C64 was sort of the King Dong of this particular problem they had a lot of different versions of games uh, a lot of what happened was you'd get a, a u.s version a european version <clears throat> and just to name a few that had that happen uh, on the uh, c64 you had street fighter uh, and that by the way that game getting two ports is a trash because it was no good in the arcade so they did that certainly they don't need two <laughs> ports of that uh rampage afterburner it's funny we were just talking before the show uh, that Afterburner actually had uh, t- uh, two ports on the Amiga as well. Uh, Pajaco, po- I believe, pointed out. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Uh, then you've got uh, Space Harrier, uh, Outrun. Outrun needed zero ports to some systems. It was horrible. <laughs> it was no good. Jackal, which was a that was a really fun ar- game in the arcade. I always enjoyed that one. Absolutely, Great uh, there Nintendo are multiple versions of ga- big games like Donkey Kong. These are all on the C sixty four. There are two versions of 720, the skateboarding game, uh, and so we could have we could have went down the C64 road easily. There was a, a plethora. We could have played any a number of Star Wars games that got ported twice, like 
based on the arcade. Uh, Frogger is another one that got ported twice on several systems. Uh, so, which is weird. It's weird how this goes. Uh, I, and, and like you said, there are different reasons, but ultimately, uh, at least for me, I chose, I chose the one that, that I could find that sort of had a funny story behind that it was, and it was, uh, just the fact that it was made was kind of wacky. And I think yours is a pretty wacky story too. Correct. Uh, and, and just to a, a quick correction, it was Buck Owens that provided us. Oh, Buck that Owens. Inc- Thank you. Uh, I, I knew I'd botch it. I knew it. Sorry, Buck. Now, you but. know, the most famous one of these, Aaron, or at least I feel it's the most famous was Nintendo and their Tetris, where there sure. was a licensing disagreement. Uh, that, would you say that's the most well-known, Aaron? Well, <laughs> That one's funny because that was all, that was Atari's, like, other, their, like, their, their alias company that was responsible for that. And uh, Atari uh, didn't want to, didn't want to play ball with Nintendo in terms of, of the of the way that they uh, did stuff. And they also thought they had rights that they didn't, apparently didn't have in court. The Tetris rights were all jacked up, if you'll yes. recall. Uh, because you were, you were dealing with, the, one thing I like about Tetris, whenever you hear about people talking about the game Tetris, is that a lot of people forget that, like, you weren't dealing with the guy that made Tetris. You were dealing with the Soviet government. Yes. They were the ones that control. control. So you're literally dealing with the government of a country. And yep. so, and so basically, they like money. And they'll, they'll make you a deal. They'll make anyone a deal. They need cash. And so Tetris is, yes, I would say that probably is the most famous one. And uh, the sad thing is the the Tetris that ended up getting pulled from the shelves was way, way better than the one that ended up getting released. Absolutely. Um, the Nintendo one's good, too. But, it's okay, uh, but it's not as good as the other one. Correct. I agree. I agree. So, with all that said, we're just going to dig right into it today uh, and give it a shot. I'm going to lead the dance this week to Brent. Uh, because I, you know, this is a game I was surprised. I had to look to see if we covered it or not, uh, and we hadn't. We hadn't covered it. I couldn't believe it ever, as far as I could tell. Now, me and Boat have covered it, like just by playing games on on the side, but we never formally covered it. And that game was Bam. It's the Double Dragon, Brent. Double yes. Dragon. Now, listen. Uh, uh, Double Dragon is a game that hit hit American shores like a club. Like a bomb. It was a big deal over here when it came out. Uh, I figure before we get into the wackiness, let's talk about the uh, the actual game itself that came from Japan. Developed by Technos. Technos, by the way, also responsible for the outstanding WWF games from, from back in the day. Uh, WWF Superstars, WWF uh, WrestleFest. Two, two great games, among others. I think they also did Matt Mania, if I'm not mistaken. So they were great. That, I, that's how I know. But they, Technos had a ton of hits. Uh, this was released in Japan in April of 87, but it released sim- pretty much simultaneously in North America and shortly thereafter in uh, Europe. Uh, man, this game was huge. It was the number one grossing game in Japan in 87 uh, by a wide margin. And when they released it here in the States, it was the highest grossing arcade game for two years in a row, 88 and 89. So it actually, think about that. A game that came out in 87 and ended up becoming the highest grossing game all the way into 89. That shows wow. you the kind of game it was. Now, Double Dragon, for, now, listen, I was still in high school in, 80, in 88, 89. And so I, I was hitting the arcades a lot back in those days uh, when I could. And Double Dragon was a game we played. And what it did was 
<clears throat> it gave you far more freedom in that sort of game than you'd experienced in the past. Uh, this game allowed you to move all over the screen. It allowed you to pick up weapons. You were doing stuff you didn't normally do in a fighting game, like smacking around chicks, whipping people. You know, it was it was sort of gritty in a way. You're going through these like dilapidated streets and stuff. It's sort of, I mean, gosh, how many games took this formula and ran with it? And it's not like Double Dragon was the first ever scrolling game uh, to beat them up, but I mean, no. it was one. It was you know, it was absolutely one of the best. A lot of people don't realize that. This thing, this game was the spiritual successor to Renegade, which yep. is a game that I didn't like. <laughs> Do you remember Renegade? Oh yeah, yeah. It's what I never got into, but I mean, they improved it immensely uh, when they put this out. Uh, the title for this is a sort of a tribute. Of course, you're playing. It's got two player simultaneous play, and the uh, uh, the the dragon thing is a Bruce Lee thing. You know, there was basically the inspiration for this as. Mentioned by the people that wrote it, where it was was Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, which by the way has nothing to do with this. None. But there is a feeling. <laughs> it reminds me more of like something like the the uh, the Big Boss or something. If you're if you're a uh, if you're a uh, uh, Bruce Lee fan, you know that kind of gritty street fighting uh, sort of thing. Um, this game, as I mentioned, was uh, highly touted. It won EGM's monthly award for Game of the Year. EGM, excuse me, EGM being Electronic Gaming Monthly, it won their award, uh, 1988 Game of the Year Award, which is a pretty big deal. So you know this thing was going to get ported to any system that it could. Now here's the here's the funny thing about Double Dragon Newsflash: not easy to port. No, uh, this isn't it like was pushing uh, a lot of good graphics. This ain't Pang or something. I mean, you're talking scroll, tons of scrolling backgrounds and and uh, tons and tons of moving. Uh, mover, moving parts all over the screen, and on top of that, there was conveyor belts and boxes and weapons and all this stuff that you had to contend with. There were holes in the in the in the floor. There was all kinds of stuff. But by God, they, listen to the lineup of things that this got ported to, Brent. I couldn't believe some of these, and I had forgotten some. Of course, you got the NES, the Master System. They were fairly capable systems. The Atari Twenty Six Hundred got a port of this. <laughs> Now, I haven't played that one, I don't think, but I've got to go try that. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> the, the Atari 7800, the ST, the ST uh, port will come into play here in a minute. The Amiga, uh, of course, the C64, which the C64 port's widely regarded as one of the worst games on the C64. Uh, the Game Boy got a port of this. You ever played the Game Boy version of this, Brent? Yeah, yeah, I have. How was it? Do you, do you recall? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, the Genesis slash Mega Drive, the Lynx got a port to this, uh, and then eventually they even uh, ported it to the Game Boy Advance. So this game was very, very popular. One of the wacky things about this game is its opening. It's very memorable. These two geeks. That first, this chick is standing in front of this garage, and this and a bad guy rolls up with his with his crew, punches the chick in the gut. <laughs> I remember being like, "Oh, picks her up, throws her over his shoulder, and leaves." <laughs> Didn't believe that. So right away, you've got your attention uh, when that happens. You play Billy or Jimmy Lee. Again, there's the Lee thing. Now, it said here, I was looking on the wiki, it said these guys were known as Hammer and Spike uh, on the American Arcade releases in, like, the, I guess, just in, like, the uh, instruction manual or something. But I don't think that ever translated over into, like, so I don't think they ever mentioned their names in the game being Hammer and Spike. Those names suck, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> and so your goal is to go through and rescue... Uh, your girlfriend from the Black Warriors gang. 
Now the Black Warriors gang is no uh, not very nice because we put well, yeah, the they just beat up and kidnap the woman. So <laughs> yeah, well in the sequel they shoot the woman, so they're much they're they're even worse than that one. Uh, and the game was four stages: a city slum, a factory, a forest, and then the hideout of the gang. And ultimately, when, and one of the best parts of the game, you actually when you go and when you finally finish the game, if you've got two players going, then you fight over who gets to be the boyfriend, and, 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 and which is truly what brothers would do, you know. And I don't know what the situation was before that fight, but they settle it once and for all in Double Dragon to determine who the who the boyfriend is. So. That's the arcade version of Double Dragon. Now let's talk about what we what was going on in the Amstrad. Okay, here so the official version when it came out, uh, it was not well received. Uh, in fact, uh, people hated it. And one reason they hated it was this thing was slow as molasses. Uh, the brand. Yeah. it was slow as heck. So why was it like this? Well, the uh, the outfit that made it. Okay, binary design. And by the way, they made both these versions, which I'll get to that in a minute. So what had happened is, and this is what I called from a few videos and, and some paperwork, okay? Binary design was a was a, pr- a pretty good uh, set, a pretty good outfit. They were purchased by Virgin, okay? The whole, you know, that as that does happen. Yeah. And so when they were purchased, they they went from doing what they usually did which was just make whatever game they want, to being told what to do, okay? Which, that again, this is not unusual uh, when you hear about this sort of setup. Well, apparently, a lot of the people at, at Binary Design were like, screw you, I'm out. And so they quit. And so Binary Design, the team that worked with us, because they were assigned this, they were assigned this by Virgin, uh, the guys that ended up working on it were not very experienced. In fact, I, the phrase "fresh out of school" was used in, in more than one place. I don't know what school they came out of, but if your first assignment at a company is to port Double Dragon to the Amstrad, yeah, <laughs> you, are, you are really begging for trouble. And so, but apparently, this is all they could do. You know, that they didn't have much of a choice, and so that's what they did. They ported this thing. Now, let's talk about the game itself. And we both, we both had a go at this thing. The first thing that's going to strike you is it's very slow, as I mentioned. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, because for everything I, I saw, and I went and tried this out, too, just to double check. This was basically a port of, a colorized port of the ZX Spectrum version of this game. By the way, this on the ZX Spectrum, also a challenge, okay? That's a, that's that's gutsy to even try to pull that trick off. Uh, the frame rate on this, I mean... I. How would you describe the frame rate? <laughs> Several. <laughs> I mean, it was it was low end, uh, to say the least. Uh, and so everything you did was literally in. Fr- I mean, it, I, the frame rate can't be more than like five. I mean, it's real yeah. slow. Now, the funny thing about this game is that if you if you take the frame rate out, okay, does it? It doesn't have all the bells and whistles that that the arcade has, but it's not. It's not the worst. Oh no, uh, it looks good. It, it looks, looks colorful. Fine. Yeah, it looks it looks colorful. Uh, the 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 fact that they that they colorize this. I mean, it, I thought it actually was not too bad. In yeah. fact, there's a, there, in a couple ways there are a, a few, uh, one or two minor ways where I I think it's got a, an edge, but it's still horrible. So <clears throat> the uh, 
the fact that you can, you've got your you know both your players the whole nine yards. But I mean it's uh, I mean it is crap. Oh, by the way, there's not that many weapons. I think there's two you could pick up, as I recall. Uh, and you, but I mean otherwise it's the same game as you would expect. So if you played the ZX Spectre version, you wouldn't be surprised. So Virgin, when they saw this, were they were like, "What the hell is this? This is horrible." You know, they didn't like it, as you can imagine. Uh, and I'm sure the frame rate was a big part of it. And and I guess some people complain about the coloring, but I mean, like I said, well, I didn't have a problem with that. No, I think I think that visually, I mean, strictly from a graphics perspective, the game looks fine. Right. I mean, it it the characters don't look arcade perfect. I mean, come on, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, but they look like people, and, and you know, if the frame rate was, let's say, if the frame rate was ten frames a second, right? Right. You would have a playable game, but it's literally like three, three did frames you, a second, and because you, of that, it, it becomes an unplayable mess. Did you did you actually get any anywhere in this? I mean, I played it long enough to know what was going on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, leave it at that. Yeah, I know. Listen, I, I, I understand. Say no more. So anyway, they weren't happy about this. And ultimately, they they basically got a, they hired a guy to try again, okay? And so he tried again. The old redo, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, because I, I should mention this got panned uh, in, in in magazines and the like. I've actually got I've got some reviews here. They weren't positive. Uh, the uh, and it's funny. All the reviews I found were for the very first version. Uh, uh, computer and video games gave it a fifty two. Uh, Retro Archives Modern, which is a modern one, gave it a 42. These are out of 100, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Moby, their 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 fans gave it a 3.6 out of 5. And I'm going to get into this in a minute. CPC Power Good gave it a 15.87 out of 20. <laughs> this is the this was the this was the uh, uh, the uh, French site I went to. Now, let me. I think all those scores are incredibly generous. Well, uh, yeah. Let because the game, you, unfortunately, is unplayable. Well, I'm going to explain why this stuff... There's a lot of confusion with this game, okay? And so a lot of these scores... Like, there are plenty of places on the web that don't have these as two different games, okay? They don't know. It's not like everyone knows this. A lot of people, they're putting these databases and stuff together, like, okay, Double Dragon, Bang Bang. So you, you never know what you're going to get. There's one key way to determine which one you're looking at, which I'll explain here in a minute. So a lot of these scores and stuff, you kind of throw them out. I wouldn't put a lot of credence in these scores because they that you don't necessarily know which one they played. Okay, and and the funny thing is, the one that they would have played doesn't necessarily. I mean, there are good points and bad points about them both. Uh, and we just also mentioned this game has uh, sound, but no, but no music at all. Okay, so there's that. So it was time for attempt number two, and attempt number two. Uh, was a was a little bit different. Uh, they went a different route with attempt two. So what you've got here is what you've got with the second one was they took. First of all, it was done by Richard Applin, who's got a real good rep. Okay, so right. enough said. What they did was they took the arcade game and this. Keep in mind, Binary Design did a lot of these ports, the home computer ports. Okay, so they had they probably had this stuff lying around. They took the arcade graphics. And they digitized them down to the Atari ST. 
Yes. Okay, step one. Step two, then they took those those downgraded graphics and they downgraded them some more to the Amstrad. Yep. And so what you've got in this version is you're basically looking at like the third generation arcade graphics that are uh, dithered down for the Amstrad. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means that it looks weird. Like uh, the the color's not off, uh, or the color's off. Uh, it doesn't quite look like it should. Now, is this an improvement video? I mean, do you think this is an improvement from a visual perspective, Brent? No. Just taking the frame rate out of no. it? No. Now, if yeah. you're talking just the sprites and the, the environments and stuff like that, no, I do not see this as an improvement. <clears throat> I, I would agree with you. To, for the, the other one was very colorful. I know something else about the other one is that the two different brothers, they actually look, they have different colors. Like if you play two players on this one, they both look identical. So they truly are identical twins. Uh, this one, on the other hand, is better in most every, certainly gameplay wise. This still ain't a speed demon by any stretch of the imagination. But... It runs probably, I would say, at least twice as fast as the other one, wouldn't you say? Maybe even more. I would say it's even a little more than yeah. that. And uh, this is, and this version is a lot more uh, faithful to the arcade, right? The, the uh, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I noticed in this version, <laughs> you know, I watch a lot of wrestling. The Brent, they have this thing called Money in the Bank, where you have to climb a ladder to get a briefcase to win. And, yes. and these wrestlers are painfully slow getting up these ladders. <laughs> and that trend was continued in this version because when you come to a ladder in this game, the, and I will say it carries over to the bad guys too, the slowness of going up these ladders, it's laughably slow. It is. It <laughs> so is. I did laugh my butt off at that. This thing runs better. It also has music that plays the whole time. This, this game has music, simultaneous music and sound effects, which is good. This version has more weapons. Uh, it's it's definitely more faithful. But the colors in this, the colors, children, everything is has kind of a yellowish hue to it, and it's just from the dithering that as it came down uh, from uh, you know from undigitized or taking these digitized graphics and downgrading them to the system. Uh, you played this one as well for a while, Brett. How did you think this thing played? Uh, and and give me the one you thought was the best, and and or points in between. What did you think? Well, I played this one significantly more. Yeah. Uh, because it was playable. Uh, I beat several levels, and it goes off a credit system. So you get three lives, and then you have three credits. Uh, I didn't go through all my credits, but I definitely went long enough to, uh, I believe I got to mission three. <clears throat> yeah, I got to mission three. Which was enough to show me that this was a vast improvement, a yeah. vast improvement over the other one in terms of playability. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah. Now, am I going to make either of these my go-to Double Dragon experience? <laughs> oh my, no. 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 But no. this is, it shows that they cared enough or they, well, or more realistically, they thought there was enough profit in Double Dragon, seeing how popular as, as it was, to give this another go. And it was good of them to do that, because the, the first one was completely unplayable. Yeah. So, here's the funny thing about this. So, when they remade this version, it, I know for certain, just from what I've read, that this one, which is funny because I found this on, on a French site, 
this was absolutely released as Double Dragon in France. So if you're in France, for example, and you you'd never seen that first version, this is the version you got. You were like, okay, yeah. Well, people in the UK would hear about the rave reviews Double Dragon was getting for the Amstrad. They're like, what the heck's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and so they found out, hey, wait a minute. There's another version. And so it was hoped that if this would eventually get released uh, over in uh, 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 other places uh, as a as a budget title. And sure enough, when it was time for the um, uh, for the old budget tape, which that's why I've got the budget tape up here. That's what this is what ties both these versions together. It was time it was time to release the budget tape of this, and they released it. But guess what? When they released it, they used the first version. So. <laughs> So getting so this particular version of Double Dragon for the Amstrad uh, was not well distributed outside of certain areas. Now we go into the land of speculation here, okay? When it comes to this, I could not tell if this particular version was ever formally released anywhere. But like I know for the only place I know for certain it was released was France. I think it was also released in Spain. Okay, uh, the, uh, but I don't know for sure if it was formally released in the UK or not. Uh, but Richard Apple Perks did all this. Oh, he had a, he had a one guy helping with the music, I think it was, and that was it. So this was like his baby, and he did a real good job on this, uh, given the, the parameters what he had to work with. I would like to take some of the color from the first one and put it in this, and I can see he. I mean, I'm assuming because of the way this stuff was dithered, he just couldn't do anything more than what he did with the color. And so that's that's what you ended up with. Well, I he, he like you said, he copied the graphics from the arcade to the Atari to the Atari to the Amstrad. I think if he if this was a a full budget first time release, you know, th- they could have tweaked these colors because there's so much yellow. It, it's just it's just painful. And uh, I know the Amstrad's color palette is a little yellow heavy, but this is extreme. So, yeah. I, I I still props because the game went from an unplayable, you know, three frame per second mess that looked pretty to something that didn't look nearly as nice, but was an actual game. Right. And I bet the reason why this got the the old one got the re release is it looks better on a tape packet. Well, I, looks better as box art. Well, I know it's something I noticed by the way. The, these these tape packets. If you look in the back of the box of these places, they're using the arcade graphics. Oh well, <laughs> that, there that, you that, go. Good move. <laughs> now, I want to say uh, before I close up shop here uh, that uh, I found again. You can take all this with a grain of salt. This was not easy. Uh, I found, like I said, a, I found a couple sites that documented what happened. There's a video from a guy called Larry Bundy Jr. on uh, YouTube. He did a couple videos on games that got ported twice, which I like this guy's stuff. He's he he's super famous and popular. Guru Larry, yeah. Guru Larry, that's right. And I I know where I can tell where he got his information because I would I ended up at the same spot he did to get it. So he went with it like it was f- fact, like bank. But I can't, I, I, you know, I can't confirm some of this stuff. But that's just the best I could do. But I know where he got it because I went to the same spot. So, but it is a wacky, it's a wacky thing to happen where a company is so ashamed of the first go around that they try again. But I think that they were just in a bad, that was in sort of a bad spot. And I'm sure this tarnished their, 
a sterling reputation, nevertheless. Uh, we did get some reviews of this brand, if you can believe it. Some people endured. Uh, let me let me zoom over here and we'll and we'll read through them here. So uh, first out of the gate, we've got. Um, let me see here. One moment. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay, here we go. Pajaco sixty five oh two. So double dragon, the animagic version, which is the not so good version. Slow and painful to play, and the colors burned out my retinas. I do not think that if that if this version had ran, I do think that if this version had ran at a decent frame rate, it might not have been half bad. Whilst the graphics are loud, you can at least see your characters on the screen easier. That's true. Four out of ten burial. Woo. The Richard Applin version, or or the uh, the better version. Uh, whilst this version plays better than the other version, it's still quite sluggish. And the thing that bugged me with this one was that trying to see the character sprites on the screen was difficult and possibly could have been even worse on CRT. That's a good point. I wondered how this would look on a CRT. I thought it might look better, but I'm not 100% sure. This version does not seem to... This version does seem to have more enemies on the screen than the Animagic version, but it isn't the slugfest that the arcade version is. 6 out of 10. And he also quotes, the, Am the Amstrad CPC deserved and could have supported a better port of Double Dragon. I think you're. I think he's probably right there. Um... I think that's all we've got for Double Dragon, Brent. An interesting look at a wacky game. Uh, I shall be playing this one again, if I'm if I'm honest. I was not <laughs> a big fan. What did you bring to the table, my friend? Well, I, as we've already discussed, also dove into the Amstrad library and pulled out Paperboy. Paperboy, uh, for, those, for those not in the know, uh, is a game where you play as a paper boy. You drive down an isometric street, delivering papers to your subscribers and vandalizing those who are not, breaking their windows, knocking over their trash, messing up their bird baths, uh, throwing papers at people, all, all the whole good fun things that you do when you're a paper boy and you want to get shot on the streets. <laughs> so the arcade version of this, Aaron, absolute classic. Came yeah. out in the beginning of 1985. Uh, what it's one of its big claims to fame is the controller was a modified Star Wars yoke that was a handlebars from a bicycle. Did you so ever you play had your one handlebars. of these? In the arcade? I'm sorry. Did you ever play one of these in the arcade? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tons I of times. You, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, even I was a youngin, but I still played it. Uh, the handlebars, the way they worked is you're always moving forward. There's no time, there's no point you can actually stop. But you can slow down and speed up by pushing forward or pulling back on the handlebars. And then uh, there were two buttons on the handlebars, one on the left side or on the right side, both used to throw your paper. Uh, and you deliver these by your subscribers would have mailboxes and you try to throw it in their mailbox. But if you couldn't pull that off, you could just throw it in, onto their porch, hit their door, be on their doorstep. That was considered a delivered paper. Uh, the game was tremendously fun and incredibly popular. Uh, this was the highest selling port for a video game uh, in December of this of '85. Uh, it was also one of the highest selling games over in Japan uh, of the same year. So it was something that really made the rounds. And when you've got a popular arcade game, you know what that means. It's port time. And this thing was ported to the nines. 
absolutely everything got a port of this. There's no reason to read down the list because if you're thinking of a system, yes, it got a port. And when it came to the Amstrad, <laughs> it got two ports. Sort of. So let's turn over to the Amstrad version of this. So it comes out in 85. Huge hit. Everyone's scrambling to get right, and they're scrambling to get the uh, uh, games out the door. Because, you know, arcade games, especially in this time frame, were in and out. You had to take advantage of the time you had. So all of the ports go out in 86, except for the Amstrad. And the reason why that is, is the first port to the Amstrad was a, as is often the case, ripped from the ZX Spectrum. And the it was a really ugly, bad translation. And the the people over at Elite that were publishing the game saw it and were like, no, we cannot put this out. We're, we think we're going to sell a lot of these on the Amstrad. Let's get a good version out here. Let's do it right. So they called up uh, Mark Hyde Hutchinson. And they said, listen, you've got to save us. The port we got for Paperboy, the, it, it's screwed up. We can't sell it. We got to do something better. So <clears throat> Mark said, I'm on it. And they said, and he was like, how long do we got? Well, like I said, you got to get these games in and out. Only valuable for a short amount of time. They said, you got six months. And he was like, what? He's like, that's impossible. I can't do it. He was like, no, do it. You got to do it. Make it happen. So he teamed up with Paul D. Walker. Paul Walker for the graphics. And he said, Paul, handle the graphics part of this game. I'll do all the coding. We'll put it out. It's going to be awesome. Now, Paul and Mark didn't work in the same office. In fact, they were both freelance uh, employees, which meant they not only were they not in the same office, they weren't in the same city. They were 100 miles apart. So while one was working on the graphics, the other one was working on the code, and they would talk on the phone about what, the, what each of them needed. And that is how the updated version was released. So <clears throat> there, he's got a quote here. He says, 64 ga- 64K games were the norm back in the days of Paperboy. So I had to fit it in that space. Paperboy is one of my favorites. It was released a year late because, it, because I didn't start coding until six months after the other version came out. Apparently the guys who made the Spectrum version tried to make a CPC version and it was a mess. I started from scratch, set up my own box, and wrote the game in six months altogether. I was lucky Paul Walker, another freelance worker, did the graphics for me. He lived 100 miles from my house, so we did a lot of stuff over the phone and did a really good job. Uh, I finished the game the very morning of my deadline. And he talks about he worked you know, a lot of long nights and said he was very proud of the code that he did for the, the game. And I'll have to say, the game runs smoothly. Uh, and I have no problem with that aspect of the game. I think the coding is pretty solid. Um, he goes on to say, I thought my version was the closest to the arcade. <clears throat> it was hard work, but it paid off in the end. I had some royalty money, 
However, I'm sure Elite, who is the publisher of the game, made a lot of money with it. And no doubt if it had been released the same times as the other versions would have been very successful. Elite offered him a job as a senior program because of this game, and he accepted it and worked there for quite a while. So uh, Mark had a lot invested into this. Time-wise, not a lot of time, but you know, a lot of man hours put in. And so you get a pretty good port of Paperboy to the CPC. So why are there two versions? Well, Elite is looking for people. You know, they're they're distributing these games throughout, but they didn't have a big pull in Spain. So uh, MCM Software said, hey, Elite, listen, we want to get Paperboy into the Spanish market. Why don't you let us do Paperboy for the Amstrad? And they were like, you know what? Awesome. We've got this version. It looks great. Let's get it out there to market. They sent them the wrong version of the game. Now, MCM had no idea about this. They just said, okay, I guess this is what we're releasing and put it out on store shelves. And when Elite saw it, they were like, what the crap? But it was too late at that point. So that is why this one is the MCM version. You can't find it. It was a, it was a short term thing. Uh, but that's why it's referred to as the Spanish version is because that's where it was released. Aaron, I know you took a look at both of these. What did you think overall? You know, it's funny, uh, the Brent. Uh, these games are are uh, totally different looking, uh, but uh, they are uh, they're both. Uh, you know, it's funny the 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 Spanish version, as you've called it. Let's talk about that one first because I played it first. Uh, it looks like like you're playing uh, Paperboy at Three Mile Island. Or like somewhere that had been nuked, like Chernobyl. I mean, the the color scheme is just the worst. Yes, the worst. But uh, I found this game to play pretty well. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought it played an okay game of Paperboy. If you want the truth, it also had uh, good. It had sound. It even had music at a couple points uh, when you get to the uh, when you get to the obstacle course. The music kicks in. So, listen, would I have released this uh, uh, in its current state? Not if I didn't have to. But if you could have fixed the colors on this thing, I mean, they had to have been able to do something with the colors. And we just saw Double Dragon. They'd colorize a Spectre version. So if this is a direct Spectre part, we know it can be done, okay? Yes. Otherwise, I thought this played pretty well. I mean, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. So, uh, you know, but yeah, it, I'll... It, Let's look at the other version. Now, the other version of this game uh, is a uh, much... It's an awesome-looking game. I mean, yes. they did a great job. I mean, this is as one of the better-looking Amstrad games I've played. Absolutely. And, and this shows you that the Amstrad could put out some darn good graphics. I mean, this doesn't look that far off the arcade. It looks nice. Well, let's not get crazy, oh, just saying but it looks for, really I'm, good. I'm saying for a home version, it doesn't look that... They've got the arcade feel of the houses and stuff. Right, and that's nice. You don't have as much play. You don't have as much room to play field as you do in the arcade, but it's it's okay. Uh, now, this one is absolutely slower than the uh, other one, the Spanish one. 
the frame rate. Listen, the frame rate. A little bit. The frame rate's slower. Let's don't give me that. This one you could also. I learned this little cheat. You can just get on the little. You can get on the little berm there between the sidewalk and the and the uh, and the road and just drive all the way to the end without. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I ran out of paper eventually, but that was the only reason I had to leave the thing. So you can sort of cheat, uh, which is never put a cheat like that in the game. Never good. Uh, when you when and someone should have saw that. This one has like no noise, like <laughs> like zero so sound it, effects. They got around, they never got around to put any sound in this. And which well, is, there there is a reason for that, Aaron. All right. Uh, like I said, they had to six fit the sixty four k, and he did not have time to tweak the code. Uh huh. And the graphics, you know, were coming down from a hundred miles away, <clears throat> so they didn't have enough time to reduce the file, reduce the programming parts of it to go below 64K. Thus, they had no room to put sound in it. I see. Well, that, so, but basically, he was, he was uh, hampered by the timetable he had. Yes. Was, because you could tell the guy that did this was no, both the guys, they were no hacks. These were world-class programmers here. I can see why this guy got offered a big job. And this, for, if you could, if you take out the, fact that there's no sound and you take out the fact that it, it's slow and it is this isn't double dragon the bad double dragon slow but it's it's somewhere in the ballpark it's not fast that's but aren't sure uh if you take that stuff out of it then you've got you got here's a real pretty game the big question which one plays better uh because yes this one's definitely better looking the other one sounds better which one plays better really the the spectrum ported uh, uh, Spanish version probably plays a little bit better than this one. It's close. Uh, okay. I, don't, I think. I, I, oh, here we go. I spent a lot of time with these games. Yeah. More than I should have. I, I will tell you that right now. I have a very soft spot, spot in my heart for Paperboy because it gives me that uh, gun, light gun uh, shootout thing. You know where you stand, you you're on the boardwalk and you shoot the little light gun, and when you hit the target, something happens, an anime an animation triggers or something yeah. pops or it falls over. Uh, you know those type of games, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that is what I like. That is one of the reasons why I like Paper Boys so much. You get to throw your paper and see how it interacts with the environment, how it will hit a trash can and knock it over, or you hit the guy. And he, you know, you you break up the fight, or you hit the little jerk on the on the big wheel, and his wheel breaks. Yeah, I really I like that enjoy stuff. that aspect of the game. Uh, the I'm going to say the Spanish version and the the global version to okay. differentiate the That's two. That's fine. The global version has none of that. Zero. They have no animations when you hit anything. I All it does that. is pop up a score. Okay? And the, it's hard to hit that stuff, too. The Spanish version has some animations. It has knocked over trash cans. It has uh, bird bass. You can hit it and knock the water out of the bird bass. You can cripple the child. You can do a lot. There's a lot <laughs> well, of interactions. Don't say it like that. No, no, no. Cripple the child. There, There's a lot of animations. Now, they're just frame differences. It's not some colossal difference. <clears throat> but there are... You do get rewarded for doing these things. 
Here's another thing, and I didn't even realize this, Aaron, until I played this. When you break windows on one of your runs, when you go and you start the second day, some of those windows will be boarded up. That's from the arcade version. Right. This The global version does not do that. The Spanish version does it. Okay. It does it, Aaron. That's All a right. huge, that's a very... I didn't uh, even notice that. Sharp detail. Yeah. Thing number two, the global version, when you start the game, everyone on the street is subscribed to your paper. That is not how the arcade game goes. The arcade game has about half the street is subscribed, and every time you make a full loop and deliver all your papers successfully, you'll gain subscribers. The global version does not do that. It has, you have all the subscribers right up front, and then if you don't deliver a paper to them, you lose a subscriber. But you you can't gain any because you already have them all. The Spanish version has it like the arcade. You start with some subscribers, and then as you deliver papers, you can get more of them. The global version does not have any visual differences between houses that are subscribers and aren't subscribers. So in the arcade, a subscriber will be a yellow house or a prettier house, a nicer looking house. And non-subscribers will have uh, usually darker houses with a darker roof. And that is how you know who to deliver a paper to. Or if they have a mailbox, that guarantees that they're a subscriber. Global version does not do that. The houses never change. It's only a scrolling, isometric background. You never get subscribers or not subscribers. The Spanish version does change. It's hard to tell. It took me a long time to figure it out. It's mostly changes to the roof. But there are these differences between the two. And if you can run the footage of the side-by-side, I would appreciate that. Um, Another thing that you that is different. Uh, The total difficulty of the game, uh, as you discussed, you can completely cheat the global version. The Spanish version, very fair. It's a very fair game. Yes, the frame rate's not as good. The screen is even smaller. Uh, But it plays a true arcade version of the game, and I appreciate that so much that I 100% without a doubt feel it's the superior version of the game. And I will fight Gutsy. anyone who tells who thinks otherwise. You know, I'm going to give you some credit here to Brent, which I don't often do. Due to your you know usual, you don't do a great job, but this time you've killed it. And I'll explain why. These are great details that you're, a lot of people would not have stumbled upon, if I'm honest. And uh, that's good. That's a good eye. Uh, you know, I did notice a few of those things. I didn't notice the windows, that's for sure. Uh, but I did notice that the uh, uh, you couldn't affect the stuff that would, you know, the uh, actual uh, uh, items that you could throw at the arcade, you know, knocking people over and knocking trash cans down and whatnot. Uh, I I think we could both agree that the Spanish version it certainly plays better. I mean, in terms of the uh, it, uh, it's got a better frame. It's got a better frame rate. I I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's I think really the frame rate is probably better on the global release, personal opinion. Um but obviously 
let's break it down to categories. Global release. There's no doubt the graphics are better in the global release. Yes. Sound quality. Well, the global Spanish. release has zero sound, yeah. so the Spanish version wins by default. Another thing, in the arcade, your paper boy talks as he's delivering papers. Yeah, He I love says that. little quips, right? Yeah. Nowhere is that in the uh, global version. Now, the Spanish version doesn't have audio talking, but it does have little quips at the top of the screen anytime he does something remarkably amazing or he dies. So at least they have the quips in there. So graphics, global. Sound, Spanish. Gameplay, Spanish all the way. Faithfulness to the arcade, Spanish version all the way. Uh, it kills me that people did not get to play this on the Amstrad, and it also kills me that they did not give the uh, uh, Mark enough time to program this, because you can tell he has a love for Paperboy and the way he talks about it. He could have tweaked this to have been the best version out there, and he didn't have enough time. I don't blame him, but holy cow... It ticked me off so much, so much, Aaron, that I got passionate about it. And I, it just <laughs> drives me crazy that just because it was graphically inferior, it didn't get its just day to go out there and make a difference. There you go. Well, we did have a review of this, uh, the brand. Uh, Pajaco6502 came back with a review of Paperboy. Uh, he first talks about the no sound version. Uh, at first, I thought I was looking at some handheld port. Uh, e.g. from the Atari Lynx. All yeah. the game action is crammed into a tiny play area, and whilst it does run at a decent frame rate, lack of space makes the game a little tricky in places. That's true. But also yeah. makes the game too easy because the mailboxes are always very close by. That's also true. This version also seems to be lacking a lot of the obstacles of the original. And I couldn't really see any black houses to smash windows and generally mess up. This version feels unfinished, even without even without the sound, five out of ten. And then he goes on to speak about the other version. He calls this. Uh, he says the other version. Sorry, CPC owners. This one is just another quick and dirty port from the Specky version, with some eye melting colors thrown in to try and hide <laughs> the fact. Yeah. However, this one actually, in my opinion, plays better and is closer to the arcade than the other one. Okay, so it isn't graphically as nice as the other version, but it does have a lot more content and is quite playable. I reckon if someone could hack this and change up the colors, it could be rescued. Still not the best paperboy in an 8-bit, but not terrible either. And heck, it ain't even the train wreck the BBC micro version I got stuck with as a kid was. <laughs> 7 out of 10. So there you go, Brent. But Jocko, that's right, buddy. Cookie for you. Cookie for you. Well, listen, I mean, hey, the proof's in the pudding. Now, all that said, here's the million-dollar question to Brent before we move out of here. Absolutely. Um, you're an executive at Elite. All right. You All right. lay eyes on this radiated paperboy version or this beautiful color version, despite the shortcomings, which one do you put on the box and which one do you put in the box? Oh, you, you ship the color one. You got because that right, especially in the 80s uh, and really it's true. All the way up until, say, 2010, where everything started to blur together, graphics are king. It's unfortunate, but that's the fact of the matter. I agree with you. You know what else is king, the Brent? Me? Ah! No, it's the wheel. Oh. Let's get to it. Now, 
it was requested that we read off what's on the wheel right now so everyone will know. So we'll do that real quick. Uh, we've got the Comex 35. New 16-bit games. Games that became other games. C64 Flight Sim. Chat Choice. Fight. Acorn Electron, which is our Retro Rewind piece this week. PS, uh, CPS1 Arcade. Sinclair QL, which is our new piece this week. And lastly, Chat Subject Choice. So there are two chat choices on here. The various kinds. So be ready, people in the chat. We're going to fire this thing up. Are you ready to print? Absolutely. All right. Let me put the wheel in position here. And here we go. Huh. And the winner is CPS1 Arcade, Brent. CPS1. Absolutely fantastic. Okay. Now, Brent, what can you tell us uh, in your knowledge of the CPS1 Arcade Machines? One of the greatest board sets uh, architecture of all time. Yeah, it's a so good one. many classic games. I can I, I cannot wait to dig into this. So mm. we're going to we're going to just pick. We could pick any of the CPS one games that we haven't previously covered. That's the plan, right? Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, uh, just a couple quick announcements here uh, before we take this thing to the house. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say last night, as we're recording this, was last night, uh, September eighteenth. Uh, we had International Computer Club, Brent. You may have heard of it, uh, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a real good turnout, uh, man, and uh, had a good time doing it. So I'd like to thank everyone that uh, turned out to uh, to uh, have a little fun. We had a lot of presenters uh, there, the Brent, and uh, we ran. It was a slim, trim, tight, like three hours and and thirty three minutes, I believe, is what we ended up going on that. Might be a little bit longer. But it was a long, it was pretty long, but everyone seemed to have a good time. And some people got some good sleep, depending on who you are as you watch the show. Uh, but we had a good time. So thanks, everybody, for coming out. Uh, heck, we might do another one one of these days. You never know with the old ICC. It comes in like this. So uh, we also, you know, listen, this is early, real early uh, in the game. But we're going to, because I was telling Britt that I didn't have anything upcoming for a long time. But we do have something upcoming. I believe it'll end up being... Uh, the uh, 26th of November uh, will be BAM. It'll be a uh, uh, Thanks for Giving Marathon with myself and the Brent. So that's a long ways off, but we're giving you plenty of time to uh, get yourself set up. What's wrong, Brent? You, don't, you think it's too early to build the Thanks for Giving Marathon here in September? Well, I, I think something we should build that's a little closer to home. Next week, the live version of ARG Presents will be a special Friday edition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we probably should talk about that. Not to mention it, we're doing we're doing a double trouble just like today. Uh, if you tune in, uh, we'll start Amigos about I'd say between five thirty and six o'clock Eastern Standard Time uh, when no. Brent gets off work. No, no, we'll start between six and six thirty. Okay, there you go, six six thirty. We'll, we'll Brent will be taking the big chair next week. Boat will be out of town, uh, and me and the Brent are going to be covering one of our favorites, uh, the Brent, a, a game we physically owned. We're going to be covering Primal Rage on the Amiga. Primal Rage. I should get the Chud, the guest star on that episode. That's his game. <laughs> and then uh, after we finished recording Amigos, it'll be we're going to do ARG same night, same time. Since Amigos, we're going to flip right into ARG, and we're going to do these CPS one games, which should be a lot of fun. So if you could uh, join us uh, this coming Friday, 
again, now let me get the date on that to Brent. That'll be the that'll be Friday, uh, the twenty fourth of September, Brent. It'll all go down. Uh, that will be right back here on Twitch. It'll be great. Good times. And then hopefully you, boat will be done and get back pretty quick after that. The YouTube version will go up Sunday as normal. Correct. That's right. So, again, that's me and the Brent covering Amigos and ARG. Hey, with the bosses away, we can go We can go crazy. Get ready for a primal rage skit. Nah, you're not going to happen. Anything oh. else, Brent, if we take this thing to the house? Uh, no. There you go. Enough said. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you guys Friday. Adios. Bye, everybody. Oh, thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to say a special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector style graphic and Bartbit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents just like these fine folks. Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retroalgy, James Shackle, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, Orom, Super Tech Boy, Dave Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Graham, W, Betkey, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Rathmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Pachaco6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Flack, O'Hara, Jason Warrens, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo Vanell, The Slow Norris, John Schaller, Terry Heather, oh, Terry Howard, All of Hope, and Rolo! Supporters get access to the Discord channel and their names caught out in the credits. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can leave us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT. We hope to see you there.